preaching for us is Corey Thrall. He's a New Church Start pastor here in Bismarck, leading the Mission Bismarck Project. Give Corey a warm legacy welcome tonight. Good evening. There we go. All right, so when, when Brandon asked me to do this passage on the trees of life, the story of Jacob, I read through it, and I was like, there's a reason why he gave me this passage, because it barely finger grips onto a tree at all, <laughs> as we'll find out when we read the passage. So, and it, what I need from you guys this evening is, I'm going to tell you a few stories, okay? And there's stories that happened to Jacob and a guy named Nathaniel. But what I need is, is for you to follow along with me in your imagination, because some of these stories are going to take some imagination. The first, very first thing I want you to imagine is this ladder right here, because this is the centerpiece of our story, is this ladder. All these stories are going to revolve around this ladder. And this ladder, I want you all to say with me, this ladder is made of wood. This ladder is made of wood. Now, now, it sure, it sure, it sounds weird, doesn't it, for, for wood, doesn't it? But for your imagination, I need you to hold on to that, that that ladder is made out of wood. Now, how many of you love the Old Testament? All right, a few of you do. Really love the Old Testament. I, the, the Old Testament, to me, is like two of the most current soap operas available. That's what the Old Testament is to me. There are two current soap operas, right? So when you open up the Old Testament, you start reading Genesis, like, sands through the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. And the, what I'm going to read for you is very much like days of our lives. Now, there is another popular uh, soap opera on right now. Does anybody know what it is? See, this is the part where you say something, okay? Does anyone know what it is? No. <laughs> what is it? Young and the Restless. No, that's not it. No, that Bold and the Beautiful. I've never even heard of that. Is that a British one? No. <laughs> no, it's WWE. That's the other one. That's the other popular soap opera. So there are two soap operas, right? There's Days of Our Lives and WWE. Please tell me you know what WWE is because it's going to fall flat on its face. Wrestling, exactly. It's a soap. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. That's wrestling. There's a soap opera. There's a storyline. And it continues on and it continues to change. And, and next thing you know, somebody's in the hospital and they visit. And then you don't know if you're on Days of Our Lives or WWE. And the story I'm going to read to you from the Old Testament is a little bit of Days of Our Lives and a little bit of WWE. Okay. I need to set this up because this is the life of Jacob. Now, Jacob is the younger son of Isaac and Rebekah. And he is younger by like two seconds, right? Because they're twins. Esau comes out first, and then Jacob comes out holding on to his heel. Remember that? Remember that story? Because I can't go all the way back and tell you this whole thing, all right? Along the way, Jacob tricks Esau out of his birthright. And Esau is upset, but Jacob is the winner. Out of this, we learn that Jacob is a bit of a conniver. He's a manipulator. He does things to get what he wants. 
Now, this story, Jacob has been given credit for being a deceiver and a manipulator. But actually, he's a mama's boy. That's what he is. No deception here. He's just a straight-up mama's boy. You see, Jacob's father is getting older. He's getting older, and he's losing his sight. And he knows he's going to die, and he's coming towards the end. And he wants to pass on the one thing he has left to give to the oldest son, to the firstborn, Esau, and that is the blessing. And that blessing, pronounced over him, gives him the, the birthright for, of, of God. And the blessing of the family, he carries on the name. He will be the champion for, for the family. Now, uh, Isaac calls Esau forward and says, Hey, I, I'm getting old. I need to bless you. You're a great hunter, and I love to eat what you, I love to eat what you make. So I want you to go out and hunt. I want you to make it for me. Make it good. Add that little spice in there. I love that. Okay? Make that, and then I will bless you after I've eaten my fill. And Esau's like, yeah, I love hunting. <laughs> he gets his bow and his arrow, and he runs off hunting. While he's talking, while Isaac is talking to Esau, Rebekah hears this little thing. Like sands through the hourglass. She hears this, and she says, uh-uh. Esau may be Isaac's favorite son, but Jacob is my favorite son. And so I'm going to manipulate this. To get what I want. Come here, Jacob. Pulls Jacob over and says, Jacob, here's what we're going to do. Blah, 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 blah. They, they create a plan. <laughs> they, she creates a plan. And you have to decide for yourself. Is Jacob like, okay. <laughs> or is he like, hmm, that's a great plan. <laughs> and participates in it. That, that's up for you to decide. But they carry out the plan. And Jacob tricks Isaac. And Jacob gets the blessing. Everybody's happy, right? Till Esau comes home. He's, had, he's, he's been hunting. He's been successful. He has to prepare the animal. He has to prepare the animal. Then he, then he cooks it. And he brings it to his father and says, Dad, I got the stuff. Let's, you know, here it is. Have it. Blessing time. And Isaac's like, he, the, the scripture says he starts to shake. Out of fear, out of anger, he realizes he's been tricked. And of course, he blames Jacob, right? Because what good loving husband blames their wife? And really, it's her fault. But he blames Jacob. He says, your brother has deceived me and robbed you of your birthright. And so what does Esau do? He doesn't say, hmm, well, that's too bad. Oh, Esau gets mad. He gets mad. I'm going to kill him. This is the WWE part. I'm going to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get him. I'm going to kill him. This is falling flat. Thought you guys would like that. Thought you guys would like that. I'm going to go after him. The WWE part of, of this saga. Rebecca hears this. And she wants to protect her, her favorite son, Jacob. So in, in, what's your favorite part of, the, of my big fat Greek wedding? Windex. The, the Windex. 
Right, the Windex, the elbow and the Windex. You know what my favorite part is? Is when, when, when the, the daughter isn't allowed to marry him because the father has put his foot down and he says, no, I am the head of the household, no. And she goes off into her mother. You remember this? You remember this? And the mother says, oh, it's okay, darling. Your father is the head of the household, but I'm the, I'm the neck. I'm the neck. And what turns the head? The neck turns the head. So Rebecca, in an effort to save her favorite son, concocts this plan. Goes to her husband, Isaac, and says, you know, Esau married these terrible women. I just don't approve. They just, I don't approve of these women. There are no good women around here. There's nobody good around here for, for Jacob. He should go to my brother's place and find there's good women there. And so Isaac says, yeah, the neck turns the head. Isaac says, yeah, okay, let's do that. He brings Jacob before him. Sends him off to find a good girl amongst the family. On his way to, to find the, the love of his life, just read that for yourself, okay? As he goes off to find the loves of his life approved by his mother, he decides to stop and camp one night because he can't get there in one day, so he's going he's to sleep. He lays down, and some versions say that he took a rock for a pillow, which is ridiculous. Was that something you would do? Take a rock and use it as a pillow? No. The version I'm going to read you says that he put a rock next to his head and then went to sleep. It doesn't make any more sense, but it makes a little bit more sense. It's, and I'm not going to talk much about that because this series isn't called The Rocks of Life. But there is significance for that rock. There is. If you ever, how, how many of you have been to Israel? One. Two. Well, yes, of course, I know you have. How many rocks did you see? A lot. Yeah, and what do they do with them? They stack them. They're memorials. They mark things. If, uh, if you go to the grave of someone in your family or someone famous, you take a rock with you and you leave it as a memorial, as a marker that you were there and marked that spot. Rocks have great significance, but we don't care because we're talking about wood. Okay, for those of you who don't know, this is a book. And so if you would open up, in, for those of you who have books or tablets or whatever, and you, we're going to be in Genesis 28. I'll give you a second to get there. And I'm getting old, so I had to take my glasses off. So you could, make, you could all get up and leave. I wouldn't know. Genesis 28. And we're going to finish out this story. Okay? The story of Jacob. Starting with verse 12. He dreamed, Jacob, of course. He dreamed and saw a raised staircase. All right, let's stop there. <laughs> let's pretend that says a wooden ladder. I did say this would take some imagination, right? So we're going to pretend that that says wooden ladder. Because in some of your translations, it does say ladder. 
So it's going to be this very wooden ladder that was there. Okay? He dreamed and saw a raised staircase, its foundation on earth and its top touching the sky, and God's messengers were ascending it and descending on it. Suddenly the Lord was standing on it saying, I am the Lord. Wow, he really said that. Uh, the God of your father, Abraham, and God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will become the dust. Like the dust of the earth, you will spread out to the east, the west, the north, and the south. Every family of earth will be blessed because of you and your descendants. I am with you now. I will protect you everywhere you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done everything that I have, said, I have promised. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought to himself, the Lord is definitely in this place, but I didn't know it. He was terrified and thought, this sacred place is awesome. That's what it says. The sacred place is awesome. It's none other than God's house and the entrance to heaven. Now, I remind you of the episode that we just talked about. I remind you that Jacob and his mother had just tricked Isaac, the great Isaac, and Esau into losing the blessing, and Jacob received it. Before that, Jacob had tricked Esau out of his birthright. And after this, Jacob will wrestle with God. WWE again. Will wrestle with God in order to get what God had already promised here freely. Because it didn't come fast enough. And so he wrestles with God and God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Now, let's note the latter. What he sees in his vision in his sleep is a wooden ladder. And its feet are on the earth, and the top is resting against the banister of heaven. And on it, he sees God's messengers working up and down, doing the will of the Father, going up and down this ladder. And at the very top, he sees God come out and say, I am the Lord your God. And then he makes all these promises to Jacob. These wonderful promises that the, all, every family would be blessed through him. Do you guys see a problem here? This is the guy that connived his way in. He doesn't deserve it. Does he? And yet, God offers him all of these things. Notice where Jacob is standing. He's standing on the earth. And either he sees this in his vision far away, or he's standing at the bottom of the ladder, watching this happen. And it is amazing to me that God makes a promise that the ladder will continue on will continue on, and through Jacob's line, the ladder will make a huge difference. The story of the ladder will make a huge difference in the lives of every single person. From that point 
to the future point. This ladder makes a difference in our lives today. Don't believe me? Let's jump ahead a little bit in Jacob's story. To the day of one of his descendants by the name of Jesus. Now, the book of John, in the first chapter, John doesn't care about chronology. He doesn't really care about getting the story right. John cares about one thing and one thing only, that you understand exactly who Jesus is. That's all he cares about. John just cares about, that's why it's not called one of the synoptic gospels. What does synoptic mean? See, you got to, this call and response thing is just getting kind of tough. It means that they're similar, the same. The first three books of the New Testament are synoptic. They're the same. They tell the same story with slight variation. But John's like, woo, all over the place. He's like a Pollock painting. He's just everywhere. Gosh, dang it. I'm just not doing good here, am I? So all he cares about is that you understand exactly who he is. So the first part of chapter 1, <clears throat> towards the end, excuse me, John is explaining like the first six days of Jesus' ministry, and he's calling people to join him. Not necessarily the immediate 12, but he's calling people to him. And he ends up calling a guy by the name of Nathaniel. Now, the great thing about Nathaniel is he is famous for his five minutes, his few verses in John, and that's it. We don't hear anything about him. Okay? Now, before we start this story of him about Nathaniel and the latter, I want you to keep in mind that just because Nathaniel is never mentioned again doesn't mean that he wasn't a disciple. Don't judge poor Nathaniel because his name was only mentioned in a few verses. Okay? Keep that in mind. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to that John 1. Hopefully you had time to get there. Starting with verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here's a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are God's son. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. I assure you that you will see heaven open up and God's angels going up to heaven and down to earth on the human one. All right. I'd like to postulate to you fine people this evening that Jesus is being sarcastic. <gasps> you do know Jesus had a sense of humor, right? Oh, some of you aren't convinced. Right, so when Jesus said, take the speck out of your eye because you got a plank in your eye, that, that's not funny at all. Could you see Jesus doing that? Right? So Jesus here is being sarcastic. Why? Because we just talked about the story of Jacob. And the story of Jacob, Jacob was a conniver. He was a manipulator. He did things to get what he wanted. 
And then he wrestled with God, and they, God gave him the name Israel. Israel. So Jesus sees Nathanael coming. And Jesus says, here is an Israelite with whom there is no deceit. Eh. That's sarcasm right there. When Jesus confronted the woman at the well, he told her exactly, he wasn't mean, he wasn't a jerk. He told her exactly what she was, how she was, and her spiritual condition in no uncertain terms. All Jesus is doing with Nathaniel is calling him a manipulator. Pegged Nathaniel to the wall. And you wonder why he's not called one of the 12. But it doesn't mean he wasn't a disciple. Because he could still follow Jesus with the thousands and hundreds that did follow him. Okay? So don't write him off just yet. But Jesus is calling him a manipulator. And he's doing it in a very funny way because Jesus is being sarcastic. And we know this because of Israelite deceit and our ladder. So Nathaniel says, well, how do you know me? And Jesus says, well, I saw you under a fig tree. I'm going to tell you right here, folks. Brandon and I could put two chairs right here and we could argue all day about whether Jesus literally saw Nathaniel or saw him in a vision. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. No scholar on earth commits to this. Nobody knows. If you're uncomfortable with the fact... Oh, okay, that's another sermon. Uh, you, need to get on, you need to get comfortable with the fact that in your faith there is a measure of mystery. And you need to get comfortable with that. Because in our scientific world... Okay, I need to stop. In our scientific world, we want... Answers to everything. And with God, that just ain't possible. All right, back up. Stop. Stop that. All right. So, Jesus says, oh, you're impressed by that? (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet, Nathaniel. I will show, wait till you see, wait till you see, wait till you see the Father's will being done on on a wooden ladder on the Son of Man. And see, Nathaniel, what Jacob had was a dream for a short amount of time. He had just this moment to see that, that, the ladder leaning against heaven. He just had a moment. Nathaniel had the entire ministry of Jesus. Three years to watch this. He had time to think. He had time to, to soak through the words of Jesus about there's an Israelite with whom there's no deceit. Because he would have seen just how the Father's will was done through Jesus. You see the ladder, our wooden ladder here that was leaning up against heaven with its feet down on earth has now been transformed magically. Ta-da! It's now Jesus. The ladder is Jesus. Through his ministry, through his love, he brought to us the Father's will. And I don't know what happened to Nathaniel. Much like how Jonah ends, it's, as Brandon had pointed out, it is for you to decide. Hello. It is for you to decide how Jonah's story ends. 
It is for you to decide how Nathaniel's story ends. But it is not the end of the story for our ladder. Because you see, the ladder is still here. It is still here. And it will always be here. Because the ladder is Jesus. As we live our lives and every rung that we climb on this, trying to figure out what's going on in our lives, trying to figure out the feelings within us and that connection that we do not have with God, the ladder is right there calling to us, inviting us to take the first step on a long journey that ends in heaven, one rung at a time. Nathaniel was invited by a jibe. Jacob was invited, and then he invited himself, and he was invited. But every step of your life, there are places that you can go back in your memory, and you can know that the ladder was there. That Jesus was there, inviting you to take a step on that first rung and to continue to climb. And I have, I have slid down this baby a few times, a rung or two. And then either I catch myself or Jesus catches, my, catches me or combination of the two. And we continue to climb again. But that ladder has been there from the very beginning, long before Jacob. From the beginning of creation, it has been there. And it will continue to be there, and we will see that ladder again when Jesus comes back. If we continue to climb it. It's an open invitation. It is an open invitation to continue to climb on the ladder. Will you take it?